reading roulette down. Net. I don't know. <laughs> the orchestra opens the program with Swing the Jinx Away from the picture Born to Dance. <laughs> My Vietnamese cafe. It was two ministers or pastors were talking really loudly on the other side of this cafe, and they were talking about spaceships. How apropos, how perfect is this? And the one guy was talking about how if he was going to build his own spaceship, he would build the escape pod first and build the rest of the spaceship around it. And I was thinking, this is perfect for this pessimistic view of space and the future and technology and mankind <laughs> that this book represents. <laughs> Can you imagine a better metaphor for this book? <laughs> Two space oh, ministers oh, in a coffee oh, shop. It's perfect. Wheat checks, rice checks, and good hot Ralston presents Spy Adventure in the Wild Vast Reaches of Space. Oh God, out of the out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth doth speak. And I mean, what a metaphor, not just for this book, but for religion. Travel into the future. You are flying through space, past Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, toward the third planet from the star Altair. You descend to a strange world of deserted cities, glowing caves, and man-eating plants. You are here to find the source of the mysterious signals being transmitted to Earth. This daring space mission could be your finest, or it could be your last. Well, Bill, I don't think this is going to be our finest mission through space, and I don't think it's going to be the last either. So we've got two lies right off the bat. <laughs> oh, all lies. Welcome to Reading Roulette, the world's only choose-your-own-adventure literary podcast. I'm Bill Lyon. And I'm Brian Ward, your emissaries on this voyage to the third planet from Altair, Edward Packard's first book in outer space. Can you believe it, Bill? I can't believe this is Edward Packard's first space book. You thought he would have written one by now. Choose-your-own-adventure number seven, the third planet from Altair, illustrated as... Always by Paul Granger. They had him locked in a room with a, what is that, a ball and chain? <laughs> he was chained to a radiator. Like, um, <laughs> Jervis, this fucking Jervis, dog. choose your own adventure number five. We're getting to the point now where we can make jokes from previous books. This is get, this is exciting. Glee Flogo, Bill. Oh. Glee Flogo. Cadet Happy is piloting a space observatory while a scientist studies a strange phenomena. Yeah, so uh, we are aboard the spaceship Aloha, sometimes flying on the shuttlecraft Signet? I thought about this a lot, and at first I thought maybe the best spaceship name in sci-fi. Yeah, and really? And then I went back on that, and I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> then I kind of rethought it, and I thought, maybe this is the worst spaceship name, because it's just <laughs> hello and goodbye. Like, that's so meaningless and dumb. Like, it's not even named after something that, like, kicks ass. It's not even named after a mission. Like, even if it was just called the spaceship Hello, then you'd, that would be better than Aloha, because at least it just says one thing. It's just like, how much of a pussy are you? You're just here to say hey. Well, I think that's why it's the perfect name for this spaceship <laughs> in this book. Don't you, don't you? 
don't you think? Hey, don't you think it's the perfect name for this book? Yeah, every time, every adventure, you're simultaneously saying hello and goodbye, and you never actually exist in any story or anything. I think there's a couple different ways you can come at what is the core theme of this book, but kind of a very weird, very weird, wishy-washy, hazy hello and goodbye is not too far off. Oh, man. So... But too late. What was that from? What was Orion 3? Uh, the Pan Am Space Clipper from 2001. No shit. Yeah. I always thought it was Orion. Out of control, the space observatory whirls toward the invisible menace. Even, even frickin' Space Cowboys with Clint Eastwood and uh, Tommy Lee Jones has a... The yeah, the Oha sucks. It it kind of sucks. I, I, I did like it at first, though, but then I, I, you know, I forgot that other spaceships had been named. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Just excited to be aboard a spaceship. I, I had high hopes going into this book. Can you hear me? Pull away from it. I'm trying to, sir, but the rockets don't seem to have any effect. Aren't we in, uh... Yeah? Uh, it's not a monastery. It's an obs observatory from, from Hawaii, right? Thought he would have written one by now. For many years, astronomers tried to detect messages from life in outer space. Finally, at an observatory on top of Mauna Kea in Hawaii, these signals were recorded. Their source was found to be the third planet from Altair, a yellow white star 16 light years from Earth. Scientists everywhere agreed that the signals, which were repeated continuously every few minutes, must certainly have been sent by intelligent beings, but they were unable to agree upon their meaning. You are one of a crew of four aboard the spaceship Aloha. You and your companions have been chosen to journey to Altair to seek whomever or whatever is sending messages. You hope to travel the vast distance in only a few weeks instead of hundreds of years by making use of time contraction technology. All systems operated perfectly as you blasted off and accelerated past Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, and on into interstellar space. Now, two weeks later, you are standing on the bridge, watching the rearview display screen. The sun has diminished in size and brightness so that it now looks like an ordinary star. With you are Captain Bud Stanton, <laughs> veteran astronaut, Professor Henry Pickens, cosmologist, and Dr. Nero Vivaldi, an anthropologist specializing in interspecies communication. Sounds like a solid group, doesn't it? It sounded awesome to start out with. It I does, thought that it sounded does. cool. I'm like, you know Bud what? Bud Stanton is the best captain name. Great name. That's a good name. I really like that. Pickens? Fucking love that name. Loved it. Grows on you, too. I really would have preferred a Dr. Rachmaninoff <laughs> or maybe a Dr. Pachabell. <laughs> but it's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll be okay with Vivaldi. That's all right. Use full power on your sovereign rocket. Uh, you know, my mom and I have been trying to make puns on um, on composers lately and like create <laughs> jokes. Uh, pretty good. And uh, so, you know, I keep asking her, uh, you know, oh, I, I haven't seen my harpsichord anywhere. Can you find it? And she's like, I don't know. I think it's hiding. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dr. Nero Vivaldi, which is our Twitter name, by the way. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, 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 You tweet us at reading, but it's our, our, you know, our name is Dr. Nera Vivaldi, and I have a little picture of her on oh, there. No shit. She she recurs throughout the series. She recurs throughout the series. I remember that she comes up in a couple different books, so I, I was keeping track of how cool of a character she was until I realized she's exactly the same as every other <laughs> character. I'm like, no, she's going to come back. They're going to give her... <laughs>
all the good dialogue. Bullshit. It's Pickens that has the great lines. You know, he steals the show. It's kind of like um, in Two Gentlemen of Verona, the uh, the dog just, uh, you know, stealing the show. I think, yeah, she's, um, you know, she thought she was getting, she was getting top billing, but Pickens steals the show. Yep. And guest star in the illustrations, he's this crazy old man. I was thinking Mugshot Nick Nolte Ooh. would be kind of cool. Yeah, it's got to be somebody who's a little got a little bit of madness, a touch of madness yeah. in them. You could maybe, um, wow. wow. You know, you could probably throw a lot of money at Anthony Hopkins. Huh, he'd have to slim down a little bit, I think. <laughs> but, uh, he's, he's, he looks like he's been eating too good. This guy's skeletal. Cosmologist right. doesn't pay as much as, uh, you know, anthropologist. I also think that, uh, you remember when Hal Holbrook would do those Mark Twain one-man shows? Do you remember that? No. <laughs> I don't know if Hal Holbrook is still alive. Something tells me he's not. I have no idea who that is. Well, I am, sir, but we're caught in some sort of a whirlpool. So imagine, like, a really old man that used to play Mark Twain. Okay, okay, okay. perfect, perfect. The uncle from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Remember oh, that guy? Oh, that guy would be great. Yeah. And he died, I, I think, in the 80s. So he's probably perfect right about now to play Pickens. What if you got the original Colonel Sanders? Holy shit. Just tell him, just be yourself, you know? Man, you think Pickens is, is Southern? I think you could do this a lot of different ways. You know, like I mentioned, Two Gentlemen of Verona. I think for years, this is going to be played and reinterpreted in different ways. It's fascinating. Your Pickens yeah. could be anybody. I mean, come on, we... This, you know, this guy doesn't have to be white. You know, you could, you could get, um, you know, just, just about anybody. You could get a George Takei dying oh, to yeah. play Pickens. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he could do it, but wow! Can you imagine the people not even born yet? They're gonna end up revolutionizing the role of Pickens. All those great one-liners as you're being vaporized your, and disintegrated. For your masters of drama uh, <laughs> audition and you're like, I'm going to read from Pickens and like all the, you know, all the uh, teachers just roll their eyes. They're like, oh, here, another Pickens reading. And then he nails it. <laughs> Three people in line. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That, was my, that was my Pickens <laughs> monologue. Oh. <laughs> oh. Some sort of a whirlpool. So I was so excited. You got the spaceship with the name. You got characters. You got Edward Packard. You, you got, got this quest. Got a quest in space and beyond. No quest. Nothing. Um, yeah, and this title, Third Planet from Altair. I looked up this this star. It's an actual star. Really? Uh, yeah. Altair is an abbreviation of the Arabic phrase Al Nasser Al Tayir, wow. which means the flying eagle. Uh, the ancient Babylonians called it almost Aquilae. You know, obviously that's Latin, but uh, the eagle star. Okay. Um, in Western astrology, Altair was ill-omened, portending danger from reptiles. Oh, fuck. So I, I was in on this book. I'm like, this yeah. rules. I took my uh, I took my star viewing app, and I kind of like <laughs> looked at Altair. Did you really? Yeah, and I, and, I, and I zoomed in on it, and I read about all the, the constellation and everything, and I was, I was in. I was like, this is where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. And I was just disappointed by maybe just like, like two pages in, I was like, this is a piece of shit. Well, how do you think I felt? Because my book didn't have the first 21 pages. <laughs> <laughs> Cult leader was a religious figure loved the best, like a extraterrestrial, you know, voyage. 
you deal. A quick blow-by of these, uh... It blows. Antimatter storm. Soldier bravely on with Captain Electrocuted. Head directly for third planet. Explore new planet. Sit and read a few. Killed by rat wolf bear. That's all you got in this first section. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like the proper beginning of a science fiction voyage. So these guy, this guy's uh, uh, dream spaceship was going to be built all around his escape pod. Why a rat bear creature? Because I'm assuming he thought that shit was going to go bad. Which is obviously from some other story. Go bad probably really fast. You know, it has nothing to do with anything. You feel like he just, like this rat wolf bear wandered into the book yeah. and from another book he just it, it was almost like you're shooting a movie you know and you you don't have it set up really well and they just like a, a stranger just walks into the shot and you're like oh shit i didn't have a lot of money i have to keep that shot with a stranger just looking directly in the camera i feel like this rat wolf bear is like that it's completely non-diegetic just out of nowhere and of course he eats you it's not even like its own creation it's so lazy if you're in outer space come up with anything <laughs> rather than three lame things that aren't even cool to begin with. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, you imagine the opening shot of a Godzilla. There's just a rat wolf bear. <laughs> You'd just be like, oh, I'm out on this Godzilla. <laughs> or, or in. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. Maybe it's really cool. <laughs> Actually, if I'm picturing it like Godzilla, then it's cool, right? If you're caught in there, you're spinning! You take this spaceship to this solar system, and you're kind of, you're landing on these different planets or yeah. moons, and then you land on a planet, and right away something goes wrong. Every time you're, you're, mm -hmm. your spaceship breaks down, your shuttlecraft breaks down, and then, and then something fucks you right mm -hmm. away. So the first thing that fucks you, you land in this rat wolf bear. Do you, do you go into the cave and hang out with this rat wolf bear, it might be okay, or do you not? And then if you go in, it's like, okay, he killed you. Dumbass, dumbass, why'd you even try this, you stupid you idiot? You wanna make sure that your escape pod is as comfortable and as, you know, functioning and as, as spacious as possible, right? When you escape from this rat wolf bear, one of the choices- Do you wanna just sit down for a minute? Yeah, do you want to just lollygag? Like, he almost like uses like negative words to describe it too, which, do you want to just lollygag and maybe put yourself in extreme danger? If you do, turn to page 53 and then you're dead. It's not a choice. There's some really funny dialogue in one of these first things. Uh, there's the, this antimatter storms. These keep coming back throughout. Yeah. You, okay, do you want to fly to Altair Planet 7? And then you fly there and they're like, but it might be dangerous. And you're like, then you go and it's an antimatter storm hits on the weight of the seventh planet. Oh, then you crash and you die. So right in the beginning, one of the first encounters you have with this antimatter storm, I think it's Pickens who says, you, you get out of, you get away. And he says, But I do not think we have seen our last antimatter storm. And that's and the that's truth. truth. It's not, some not, foreshadowing. Not. And I found it so funny because the way he said it, it sounds like, the, the, you know, we make this joke a lot on this show, but it sounds like the antimatter storm is a character, you know, because yeah, you don't yeah. talk, that's a cliche from, uh, you know, like American kind of like comic books and stuff. Like, I don't think we've seen the last, you know, you would never hear, mm -hmm. like, it's like Batman saying to Robin, I don't think we've seen the last of this so-called Joker, yeah. you know, but the antimatter storm is not a, it's, it's a force of nature. It's like say, Tommy Lee Jones saying, I don't think we've heard the last of that volcano. Or George Bush being like, 
I don't think we've heard the last of that 9-11. Or uh, Cat Stevens at 9 a.m. saying, I don't think we've heard the last of this moon shadow. Of course you've heard the last of it. It's a freaking act of nature. It doesn't have any motive to follow you. It's not chasing you. It's a storm. All of the technology that you trust in this book is always faulty, it's always failing. Access denied. And these antimatter storms that are plaguing the society and to an extent your voyage, <laughs> it is so repetitive, repetitive. and mind-numbing. Antimatter storm. And horribly disinteresting in the first place. <laughs> There is a lot of really good stuff, I think, in this book that by the time you get to a lot of these little nuggets here and there, you're so past caring. I mean, they just roll off your shoulders. Yeah. Castle in the sand. This book is just completely... can't support any of these ideas that he's got coming into play. It would be like, like this antimatter storm is like if my so-called life Let's say it, they were three-hour episodes. Wow. And two hours and 50 minutes were of the mom. Ooh. Yeah. And you just, you never got Rayanne singing Sesame Street. You know what I mean? There's no Brian Krakow. There's no no adventure. You just got the mom being like, did you did you did you pay the bills on time? Yeah. Where what, how's your job going? You going to the cooking school? How's that yeah. working how's out? How's that for working you? out for you? Failure. Oh, my dad's coming over tonight. He's he wants to talk to you. Uh, I got a worse haircut. You want to see it? <laughs> That's right. I got an even worse haircut. Let's look at it for like ten minutes. Tell me I'm beautiful. Imagine. I love that show. <laughs> Right, killer plants and ancient aliens. Chicken out and return to Signet, but thwarted by attacking plants. Run away from killer plants and face attack jackalopes. Eastern island mystery solved by ancient aliens. Hide from jackalope people and tiptoe around sensitive is the spaceship captain possessed issue. Successful mutiny based on hearsay and conjecture. Alien mind force drama comes to a close. Surrender to evil because you are lazy and drift disembodied through space for billions of years. Possessed captain leads you to Borg-like eternal damnation. Cower from killer plants and build a fire. Insane cosmologist takes first opportunity to destroy alien monument. Aliens are coming to Earth. You just miss them, deface alien Taj Mahal, and then sit there forever for some reason. There's a lot of really cool stuff in here. There's just too much in the way of these isolated incidents that are pretty interesting. But then you also have killer plants. So boring. Yeah, hear that, gang? That is really stupid. All these aliens, almost as a rule, they don't have intelligence. This isn't like you're meeting the Vulcans and meeting Spock. No, They're all just basically animals who look weird. That's right. The aliens are fucking awful. Aliens suck in this book. How can you have a sci-fi book where the aliens suck? The spaceship doesn't work and the aliens suck. All you've got left is the black hole that is outer space. It's like a bad vacation. It's a Plain bad vacation. Sucked. The hotel is shitty. And the, the town was awful. And the town was Bad dead. food. <laughs> the locals are pricks. Great analogy. It's like you're saying to your parents, let's go to Disney World. Okay, you say there that. you go. And then you would say, let's go to... Epcot Center. Exactly. And then your mom and dad say, no, I got this great discount bus fare to Branson, Missouri. <laughs> And we're going to see some plays. <laughs> the Mark Twain guy is going to read. <laughs> Actually, that sounds kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, that sounds great. You're right. Extra, extra, read all about it. No, well, I think I, I took us there. I, that's <laughs> what, <laughs> every boy and girl on earth. The malfunctioning of, these, uh, of all of the technology in this, uh, 
they, I love the word you use the word procedure when yeah. you tell me about this. It's yeah. just like focused on procedure, mm-hmm. and it reminds me a lot of maybe cut the. We're talking about the consciousness of a dumbass, like 10-year-old, 11-year-old, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And my idea of a great story was to screw over all of the obvious things. Do you want to go to the town, or do you want to go to the forest? Sounds just like a walkie-talkie. Well, you get there, and the forest is gone. What are you doing in this town, they say. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was being so clever yeah, by yeah. frustrating. Can you hear me, Bob? But I never let the story develop. I just thought I was like outsmarting him sure, sure. by right away finding some kind of hitch to whatever he wanted to happen. And I see the same kind of like almost childish, uh, awful story writing mm-hmm. impulses in this book and in Ari Montgomery's books where you're just trying to trick the person right away. And so, you, you know, do you take the spaceship to the planet? Or do you, you know, do whatever, you turn around, if you take the spaceship to the planet, oh, guess what, the spaceship broke, ah ha ha, you know, I'm such a, what a great story. (laughs) You know, where really the story would be, there's something interesting at the planet that you write about. Yeah, exactly. Or because of something that that, that, uh, malfunctioned, something that uh, functioned, you come up with something else. It redirects story potential, different storyline. Yeah. Something you didn't realize before. Usually you just die violently because the thing <laughs> malfunctioned. I think if it's 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 maybe even less aware of uh, of a story kind of... Depending on, uh, depending on how you decide to go about your search, you could be captured by alien beings, if you turn to page 65, flung millions of years into the future through a time warp, page 69, or you could witness the creation of the universe. Page 86. I think it's almost of like a lack of ideas. Absolutely. It's you almost know? like I think the, it's even worse. It's just an impoverishment of storytelling. It's like the opposite of a deus ex machina. It's yeah. like a deus ex machina to make your story worse. It's like <laughs> out of nowhere, something comes and ruins your story. You know? Yeah. Oh, we thought you were going to have a story? Nope. Zeus just appeared and just said, no, let's not have a story. You can talk on it to someone a straight 50 feet away. <laughs> Like Friday the 13th, your bus breaks down on the way to the camp. Yeah, Not just once, repeatedly. Yes, you never get attacked. Exactly. And then you die because of the fumes of the bus or something. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk about some of the actual stuff that happens. Yeah, yeah. So this is extraordinarily boring, but at one point you discover Easter Island statues on this planet. I think the 80s were pretty big for Easter Island. You know, earlier in these books, everybody had a had a big thing about whales. I'll say loud and clear. You know, it's not like a, a Roanoke or anything like that. That's more of like, you know, an American mystery. Mm-hmm. Or like a Salem witch trial. That's like a, a sexy kind of Americana. Easter Island, I think, is, is one of these broad mysteries that the world had in the 80s. You know, when, when the media was a little less yeah. specialized. Yeah. So I think this is just kind of like a uh, phantom. <laughs> so, well, uh, can we throw in some Easter Island in this? Look great on the cover. I love it. Books with Easter Island on them sell like 7% better than, you know, on the cover without the Scholastic is already has a pre-order for anything with an Easter Island hook. Just like talking on the walkie-talkie on the telephone, right? You know, we got a lot of Easter Island clip art. You know, the internet wasn't around. <laughs> it's like stickers. Have, yeah. It's just old-fashioned stickers. Yeah, really, you know, maybe the 
bantam CEO is like, I just invested four hundred thousand dollars in Easter Island like art artistry. We got to use this stuff. Could we get a tie in? And now I think they don't they know where the statues came from. Didn't they find that out? <laughs> Um, all right, so here's kind of the Easter Island section. Um, Cluster of rude shelters interspersed with huge stone monuments appears. To your surprise, you find Dr. Vivaldi in the village. She encounters some of the villagers while searching for you. Have you examined these monuments? She asks excitedly. They are exactly like the ones on Easter Island in the Pacific Ocean. You are aware that no one knows who fashioned the Eastern Island monuments or why. Who cares, Brian? So who gives a shit? What does that mean? He never answers it. You don't encounter the aliens who made them. You don't find out whether they were made on this planet and then brought to Earth, whether there's something universal in the experience of not just human, but alien races that causes us to make your monuments. No. Is it some kind of, is there a God? Does this prove that maybe there's a God? I don't know. Who knows? They don't know. They don't seem to be too concerned. And from what you realize later, right. you know from what happens that they haven't been to Earth yet. Yeah. So it's the total negation of anything that ever happened. It's not even a red herring. It's like a yeah. blank herring. It's it's just a void. A void herring. <laughs> Where the herring would be is an empty plate served to you. <laughs> Beautiful. This is not a pipe. <laughs> I call it the magic phone you can carry anywhere. Um... All right, so let's get to maybe the more interesting section here. Uh, which killer is, plants? What oh, else? No. Where do you go from there? Because that's not a more interesting section. Uh, we or, the, or the space jackalopes. Because that's not as interesting either. So as your spaceship kind of breaks down, or maybe not, you get this crazy mutiny that happens. This is cool. I really like this. I love it because it's so stupid. You know? I, I think it's... it's man, this you is know, like... Uh, it's kind of... What, a, what a, I... Uh, man, this is like uh, kind of a... a, a, a blessing and a curse because all of a sudden it's an alien mind force attack on your crew alien mind force that's the term for it for no reason and they kind of take it <laughs> take it in stride in a weird way <laughs> uh suddenly the ship shudders everyone is thrown about the power goes off auxiliary lights flash on dangerous increase of x-ray radiations on this course the computer reports. Safe levels now exceeded. We must stay on course, the captain barks. I'm sure the captain knows what he is doing, Pickens says. Dr. Vivaldi takes you aside. Now the alien force is controlling Pickens, she says. You trust Dr. Vivaldi and feel sure that her perception of the situation is accurate. Setting your mini laser on stun, you stand behind Pickens. As you touch the electronic trigger, you whisper, advise the captain to hype out. You freed me, the captain shouts. Quick, computer, hype reverse. Prepare for shock turn in 15 seconds. It's still here, Dr. Vivaldi says, but it can't act unless it's infecting someone. You broke its hold on the captain's mind when you stunned Pickens, but only temporarily. It's trying to get me again, the captain gasps. We can will it out of our minds, Dr. Vivaldi says. At that moment, you are conscious of an overwhelming thought that you will be happy if you surrender to the alien force and will die if you do not surrender. <laughs> what the fuck? 
I have so many comments and so few. <laughs> I think this is kind of cool how this just happens all over. I mean, this, this is a lot better. If you had your pick between hanging out with some statues or some killer plants. Yes, sir. See how the spaceophone sounds, boys and girls. Wouldn't you love the, to, to have this alien mind force wreaking havoc with your crew? Oh. Especially, Especially how, 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 please, 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 please. It almost, it's crazier than arsenic and old lace. <laughs> like just this madcap. And the fact it, it is, isn't it? It's like a madcap evil dead kind of thing of this spiritual possession. And, I mean, it yeah. seems like a comedy of errors. Like this Dr. Vivaldi, yeah. is just, you just have to trust her. Like For you see reason. no evidence. An alien mind force is controlling. Like, you have no evidence to base this on. Can you and imagine? she knows all of the rules. It can't harm us unless it's yeah, infecting someone. Exactly. It's still here. Lots of fun. Yes, sir. The fuck do you know that? I have no idea how she knows. And the fact that she's narrating it as it goes. Like, I almost feel like this is the, like in, uh, I remember doing a school play production of, of Peter, oh, Peter Pan. Pan. And we had to, remember we had to fly and they would just, and they just turned a strobe light on us, and then we had to announce to everyone, we are flying. <laughs> now we are flying higher. Mm -hmm. Now we are flying more Over to the London. right. We're he, looking down on the yeah. buildings. Oh, look. There's the Lost Boys. Yeah, and this is how I feel this Dr. Vivaldi character just is Just desperately right trying. Yeah, because there's absolutely no context, and it's a terrible idea. <laughs> I mean, if they had set up before somehow about an alien mind force, like, why can't there be some writing here and mm -hmm. characterization at the beginning? You know, maybe at the very beginning of the story, the, the captain acts a little weird or crazy. Yeah, yeah. Or your admiral, before you go out on your ship, says, watch out for alien mind forces mm -hmm. or something. Or you've got this futuristic computer that right. really has there's any lot, potential to do. The fact that this Vivaldi is giving you this almost like Al Michaels play-by-play -play <laughs> of like your a, own spiritual possession. Yeah, it just makes no. It's so crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just the idea itself, and, and then you have to choose to just go along with her and like mutiny mm -hmm. and a, a tr crew of four. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a crew of four, and you're she's already, and you're like maybe two pages into this, and you're like committing mutiny. <laughs> I love it. Your captain, captain guy. You have an ancient dinosaur. And Pickens, you have this, this ancient <laughs> man, Dr. Vivaldi. She's illustrated like Tila from He-Man, a Russian figure skater kind of kind of look. And you're a child. You're a boy. You get two blue and yellow plastic spacephones. It's the craziest to have that shaken up with like a, an alien. Why would an alien even want to control you? Or that's that's maybe how I wish I could read this from the alien's perspective. <laughs> Look at these uh, motherfuckers. Uh, this is going to be hilarious. <laughs> Easy pickings, right? Right, right. But yeah, it is like a caper. Is this in the same place where the way you get out of it, you lock the captain in his room? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, hilarious. When's the last time you ever read anything like that where there's a problem with a character? Or somebody's acting strangely, like, I'm locking you in your room. It's the fucking captain of the ship. You're just going to lock him in his bedroom? And then you kind of just walk away like, all right, well, that's, that's done. <laughs> I mean, what is this? That's done. Again, is this like arsenic and old lace where you could just use a key and lock? This is a freaking spaceship. Yeah, exactly. This guy has, like, this in their computer where he's, like, and activate he's in computer. Charge. He's in over, charge. There's obviously the computer's vocal act or voice activated. Yeah, it's yeah. like Star Trek. He just goes, computer, you know, code 7B, yeah. uh, mutiny, you know, override mutiny. Or something. There's just nothing. Mm -hmm. This captain can just lock him in. Oh, I'm locked in my room. <laughs> yeah, he's like a little I child. Can't get out. I can't get out. That's hilarious. You get 50 feet of communication 
And then one of your options here is just you feel the force kind of overcoming you and it's obviously bad. Do you surrender to the force? I kind of liked that choice. <laughs> you do. I thought it was pretty cool. And you drift disembodied through space for billions of years. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. It's nuts. Why would you choose that? I think that's what's the cool choice about it. It's presented in in a way that's that's a little bit more interesting, a little bit more cerebral, even though it's very obvious what's happening. When you think of uh, like that rat wolf thing, like you want to just sit down for a minute outside this thing's cave. <laughs> Fuck no, of course not. Why would you ever say that? <laughs> but I kind of like how they give you a little taste. Wow, I do feel good. Okay, yeah, maybe that is the space upon briefing sheet. You know, I feel like in the this these books, when they get bad, mm -hmm. you're almost like start to choose the bad choices on purpose because yeah. you kind of want to die. You know, <laughs> like you feel like almost like a 15 year old who's like, you know what, I'm gonna try heroin. Life is awful. There's no options for me. I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna drive 100 miles an hour. I'm gonna yeah. go around that. I'm gonna look going around that curb. I'm gonna jump that train tracks defacing this alien Taj Mahal. So this is where this character Pickens really comes into his own. That's when he arrives as, <laughs> as a splendid. <laughs> this offer good only in continental US and may be withdrawn at any time. <laughs> where he comes out of his supporting role into like, he basically steals steals the book there, I, I feel like. <laughs> I love it. Um. As you and Pickens fly across the desert, you see beneath you, a dome about 12 meters high and 20 meters in diameter. You bring the signet down to a landing and walk up to the dome. It is as blue as the sky and made of a substance like the hardest crystal. At last you have evidence of intelligent life on the third planet. It appears, Pickens says, that this is part of some large underground settlement. The only way to find out is to open it with a laser beam cutter! I'm going to do it! But it may have a defense system, you point out. No need to worry, Pickens replies. Our sensors would have detected their monitoring system! If you agree to let Pickens cut open the crystal dome, turn to page 49. If you insist on first reporting back to the Aloha, turn to page 50. Pickens aims his laser beam cutter at the crystal dome. You watch in amazement as it fires away at full power for almost a minute without even scratching the surface. This is like no material on Earth, Pickens remarks. Finally, a thin trail of smoke begins to rise from the dome. Smoke thickens. Suddenly, the whole surface of the dome is alive with flickering electric charges. You and Pickens leap back and run for the safety of the signet, but its electrically operated port will not open. Every circuit is burned out. You walk back to the dome. All is peaceful again. You cannot even find the place Pickens was firing at. You and Pickens stand looking helplessly at each other. There is nothing you can do now but wait. So you're just stranded with this old madman now. And that and just staring at each other. The book ends with that, that ending, just staring you're just staring at each other, just shrugging. Yeah, we have to, we do we don't do a good enough job of this of telling when it's the end, but that's a the yeah. end. The end. What a crazy ending. 
<laughs> You're just stranded outside a burned out husk of a spaceship next to this dome that you can't get in anyway, just staring at an old man. You don't even admonish him. What the fuck were you doing? Look what you did. You just stand there. You, for the first time in human history, discover evidence of intelligent life on another planet and right away, he tries to destroy it. He tries to destroy it. Like, you would think you would be, I want to take samples of this. I like, want to preserve this. Nothing scientific at all. Yeah, just attacks it. How do you attack? If you discovered, like, you know, I say the alien Taj Mahal. If you discovered the Taj Mahal on another planet, you're not instantly trying to destroy it, like shooting it with a gun. Get it makes no sense. Get the laser cutter. And he does that throughout this book. He's always attacking things. It's, no, he's a cosmologist. Laser cutter. It should be his, uh... Commander. Yes, Happy? What makes him so great as a character is there's no characterization in this book, so you almost have to just take out from their w wacky deeds. Yeah. Like, we kind of impose our own idea of what a character would be on sure, him from this, sure. and it just makes him fucking crazy, and I love it. And the, all the illustrations of this guy, it's just a doddering old man with crazy hair. Very, very I'll call you when I'm through here, Happy. Okay, so going back to uh, the, the alien mind force for a second. Yeah, well, A, the captain is named Bud. Uh, with no evidence, an anthropologist is accusing the spaceship captain of being possessed and of being a traitor. But also, you have seconds to decide if this captain is trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. So I almost want to get your choice. Just talk about this choice here. So you got a split second to decide whether to commit mutiny. Uh, one thing, things to consider. I just wrote this down. Okay. Things to consider. Okay. Who's gonna pilot the ship? You are freaking, I don't know how many miles from, or you are in so, another, you had to use time travel to get to this, this ancient alien star yeah, system, yeah. and you gotta ki kill the only pilot, possibly? Well, are you gonna kill him or are you gonna lock him in his room? Well, at this point, you don't know. He just says the captain's trying to kill you. Like, what do you do? So that's one thing to consider. Sure. That's a little crazy. I think if you're reading this as a young adult, I think Dr. Vivaldi is basically like a stand-in for your mom. Big time. You have an exceptionally fine record. Who's gonna pilot <laughs> the ship? Everybody wants to overthrow authority figure, mm. dump shit on the principal's head, see him locked in his car. So I think you have everything going for you by overthrowing this captain. I think that's an easy one. That's that's a no-brainer. What is your role again on this ship? Because she's an anthropologist. The Pickens is a laser-cutting cosmologist. Bud is the captain. What the fuck are you? You just like the the mascot? Yeah, your job is to be a kid. Ah, there, you ah, go. there you go. So my job as a kid is to say overthrow the captain. I'll get. I'll, I know how to pilot a spaceship. Sure. <laughs> Doesn't work anyway. Yeah, you're you know right. the, uh, the next star that you round about, something's gonna fuck up. Commander, at ease, Lieutenant. Sit down. Yes, sir. You think there's any kind of political, uh, <laughs> political motivations? Is this like a Reagan thing? Oh, Bud is you know a stand-in for. Yeah, Pickens could be like Jimmy Carter, <laughs> and uh, Bud is like Reagan. And then who would Vivaldi be? Uh, maybe Margaret Thatcher? Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking Bud would be a uh, Chuck Yeager or something like that, but why would you want to overthrow Chuck Yeager? Yeah, well, you might want to overthrow that Chuck Yeager. That would be, you know, this is like spy for, <laughs> spy for George Washington? Overthrow Chuck Yeager? Yeah. Do you overthrow Chuck <laughs> Yeager? 
<laughs> yes. Yes. Instantly. I've been looking it over, and so far I can find no explanation for your behavior of the last few hours. Man, those flight simulator games, those were awful. Do you remember they those? They were always terrible. We'll oh. talk about, like, technology not being, you know, right for the time. You've got, you know, these blocks, or those handheld video games that you'd be like, what the fuck even is this? I don't even know what I'm looking at. I, I lost? I didn't even know I started. It would take you about... I want to. I don't want to exaggerate, but I think it might take you 75 days to install that on your computer. I'm sorry, Commander. But then you knew that that guy didn't hadn't left his house in like. <laughs> yeah, that was nothing to be proud of. You know, that's that's a, a shameful achievement. Shameful. I think there's a. I think it was. Um, might be Goethe who said, uh, "The ability to play chess is the sign of a gentleman. Mm-hmm. The ability to play chess well is the sign of a wasted life." Wow. And then he shot himself. Well, he didn't shoot himself. Not at all. Everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) He he, he got everyone else to shoot themselves. (laughs) That's how how Bobby Fischer died. How about a Bobby Fischer v. Chuck Yeager kind of book? You have to overthrow both. Bobby Fischer shoots himself. I don't know. Or do you have to lock both of them in their their cabins? You don't know which one has been mined. Oh, yeah. You don't know which one's been mined. All right, so Alien Mind Force versus Chuck Yeager and Bobby Fischer. That's a book I can get behind. And you know what? Maybe Chuck Yeager's like, I want to play some chess. Bobby Fischer's like, I want to do some test runs. Yeah. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound like you. Oh, I love this. Chuck Yeager opens with the French defense. Bobby, F- <laughs> you're like Bobby Fischer always opens with the Sicilian. Is that all you have to say? The Aloha is hinting at earlier that they have this. The whole point of this journey is to make contact with these all Alterians. That's another thing that pissed. Alterians. They need to be Alterians. And they're Alanians? Oh, what the fuck are you talking fuck about? You. That makes no sense. It's bullshit. I don't even want to meet your ass. I agree. Except that I'm ready to take the Brandegraaff test. The proper ending of this book is that the Alanians have left Altair and are going to Earth to avoid this antimatter storm that's in uh, hospitable, it's inhabitable. They've already left the planet. I, I don't have the first couple pages. I don't remember the setup, but but <laughs> the uh, uh, the code that they're sending you, this radio, yeah, it's like a transmission. Yeah, it's the a transmission. Coded, coded transmission. transmission. So uh, this radio transmission just basically means that we are coming. You're like, oh, okay. And once you figure that out, you realize that the whole people that you're there to meet have already gone. They're and on that's Earth. the whole book. Yeah, and yeah. And that's the whole book. And that's the whole book. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the whole book. Yeah. It's it's just a it's just a mis- misunderstanding. I can't believe the plot to this book is yeah. aliens send a message to Earth that they're leaving, and then you accidentally and then you, and then go you and no one's home. Yeah. I can't. Can you imagine? Like just take the analogy to like any kind of you know the story of a book just take some some 80s movies or whatever maybe back to the future the plot of back to the future mm-hmm. is marty just sleeps in and never meets doc brown or i was thinking marty goes back in time and his parents go into the future 
<laughs> right? Oops. Yeah. Oh, shit. Lieutenant, it shouldn't be necessary to resort to the brainograph to obtain a routine report. Well, nothing's going to happen here. A story about two people meeting or going to fall in love. They both go to each other's houses and they never meet. You know, it's just pointless. Yeah, it would be like, uh, what's that movie with... Fievel, Fievel goes west. Uh, an American Tale. Mm -hmm. Remember that he's always looking yeah, for his yeah. parents and he ever meets them. What if it just he just doesn't meet them? You know, he's just, <laughs> okay. Or in Romeo and Juliet, at the yeah, end, kind of shrug it off. Yeah, just been fall in love. And it doesn't necessarily have to be bad. They could have made this pretty interesting. No one ever comments. Are you fucking kidding me? When they figure yeah. that out, nobody says bullshit. I, we came all the way out here on this piece of shit, and they're already gone. Right, because the story is written. Edward Packard is writing this story as if his premise is still interesting. Yeah. You Once know? you find that out, it's not. Yeah, and he could have turned that into a story somehow. Like, mm -hmm. what do you do while you go to this abandoned civilization? Or what do you find? Maybe they left some things that are really cool. You never know a thing about them. And there's a lot of different times when you'll access a computer. Yeah. It's got like, wow, this computer is telling me, if you're lucky enough not to die from a bacterial infection <laughs> while, while that's happening, there's... <laughs> <laughs> you find out about all this uh, history, and it comes to nothing. It doesn't give you any hints of what the civilization was. I realize that, sir. There's one little graphic in this section where it's like uh, some weird hybrid of a Kino card and a deck of cards, and that's about as close as you get to understanding anything about their civilization. So you have a book with terrible aliens. <laughs> you return from a routine search mission, three hours overdue and with ammunition expended. Crappy technology. <laughs> you know, and you're using the word civilization, I think. I mean, that's the word I, I use. When you find an intelligent life civilization, this word civilization, I know we're talking about capitalism in the 80s and shit here where people, that, that word means nothing to them. Mm -hmm. But you're thinking religion, art, Architecture, sure, you know sure. everything that goes with having a civilization. Yeah. Philosophy, um, I don't know, medicine, medicine. Like that. That's one of the things I wrote down. Medicine. Mm -hmm. Wow, about their medicine. How do their bodies work? What's going yeah. on? What do they think about the meaning of life? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And their entire one. At one point, it says you learn the history of their civilization, and, and then it. what you learn is that their entire civilization was based on building a spaceship to flee their civilization and get to your Earth. They were just trying to get out of there because it was dangerous. <laughs> you know, can you imagine, like, all of human history, how, like, we, you know, we have maybe 5,000 years yeah, of human yeah. history, depending on how generous or whatever you want to be, and if all people were talking about was, how can we get out of here? It's kind of... get off the Earth! It's too hot. Yet you refuse to offer any explanation. You know, I don't know, like, people were doing things during all that time. People were living lives and doing things. These people were never doing anything except trying to escape because they knew, I don't know, 7,000 years in the yeah. future, 20,000 years in the future, there were going to be these antimatter storms that might hurt them. Let's go, okay, we got to work on our technology for 20,000 years so we can get out of here and survive. Who gives a fuck? What's the point of surviving if your whole civilization is built on building a spaceship to leave? I've invented the microscope. We're one, one invention closer to getting off this planet. <laughs> yeah, I've invented the wheel. Right. We're, oh, that's a great invent. We're that much closer to getting off the Earth. Yeah. Can you imagine if every like human invention was never built for its own purpose or for the purpose of like human good or human like human enjoyment yeah. or meaning there was no art no buildings built because they were beautiful yeah. they're just all built because all right we're closer to leaving yeah language just think about that yeah, the first word is you're just some guy points yeah. like up to the stars uh-huh let's go holy shit you invented language very first words let's get out of here we're closer to leaving <laughs> Yeah, someone like falls in love with you, you're like too busy 
let's not do that. Let's just focus on leaving. We can procreate so the next generation will take what we know to get the fuck out of here. You know, it's like the next generation wants things better than when they've had them. It's not better. They just want to closer to leaving. Hey, that's fascinating. You imagine you'll probably be executed for like writing a story. You know what I mean? What are you doing? Wasting time? Because this story going to lead to Unless us Unless it's escaping? a story about, about how you can train story. others to advance to get out of here. The great escape. The greatest story. <laughs> the history of the Alanian Altarian civilization. One, one piece of art. Those are the facts, Commander. Well, I think that'll about wrap it up. Make sure to follow us uh, on Facebook at uh, Reading Roulette Podcast. Twitter. Shoot us an email. ReadingRoulette.podcast at gmail.com. For Reading Roulette, I'm Bill Lyon. And I am Brian Ward. Yeah. Be back if they smash the head again. Oh,